Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. For all of you that are new here, I'm going to give you my little preamble. For all of you that have been around, you probably know the words already. I could probably have some one of you do it already. But uh, the idea here is that if someone's new, I want them to know what's going on here. My name is CJ Reynolds, and I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. Real rap meaning real talk, right? So it's not I'm not rapping. Uh, it's not a skill set that I possess. But that's what my students call um, real rap is when they have real conversations with me. So this is that's, uh, my ode to them. Um on here, every Sunday, there's like some weird hair. My The ADD is flailing today. There's like some hair or fuzz hanging off of me, and it's like <laughs> dangling in front of my eye. Um, every Sunday, we get on here. And when I say we, it's me and this community of educators here in the uh, – or or one – or like future educators or, or former educators that are all here in the chat. And we show up to help one another be the best teachers that we can be and be – and make classrooms worth like – that inspire our students and have students want to show up and, and, and share their voice. So what we do is we come on here and we talk about stuff. Anything you want to talk about is, is fair game. You can ask any question of me, of other people. Um, and you shouldn't be surprised that when you leave a question that other people are going to probably say something to it in the chat, because this is like, uh, I don't know, it's like family dinner every Sunday. It's like family brunch. I love it. Everyone shows up and sees everyone and, um, and it's great. So, Although it is 4th of July weekend here in the United States, that's a uh, you know, big celebration every year. We are uh, we're on here anyway, because that's what that's what people like us do things like this. The crazy people just show up on 4th of July weekend anyway and participate in this. So um, before we jump in, so if you have a question, you can go ahead and start leaving them in the comments now. And then my wife will pull those out. If you could put Q before or question, it just helps us to like see it faster because so many other things are going on there and talking and stuff like that. And was that it? That's it. Yeah. If this is not enough, um, you could get my book, which I got. So um, I forget who it was. I was already on the idea list, but someone reached out and they were like, dude, you have to have your book like bigger behind you so people can know about it. So I ordered a poster to be made of it. So I'm going to this disobey one back. This is uh, Henry David Thoreau. I get a lot of questions about this. Um, and especially from students that are like, you just want us to disobey you. And it's like, no, I want you to question though. Don't just take authority at its word all the time. Like, question, is this good for me? Like, what is your intuition saying about it? What is your brain saying about it? What is your heart saying about it? And thinking about things instead of just like taking whatever's given to you all the time. Um, but I'm going to replace this for, for now. And I have a poster of my book cover that's going to come and be in there. Wait a minute. Feeny will stay the same, though. But I like that poster so much. We just Where are we to supposed find... to put the book cover? Well, we'll put the book cover there. We have to find away i because i really like what that means i know but i like all this stuff that's the we'll clipboard the that Amir had made for me <laughs> I know, my I youtube that. plaque that i made myself out of some old plywood and a, and a campbell soup can um which my students think it's real feeny classic hand on a stick um yeah all that stuff so uh before we jump in i thought i, I wanted to just share um 
two things with you. One, I want you to know if you're looking for summer fun and you want to, you're quarantining and trying to make the most out of it. Yesterday we bought for $12, something like that. Yes. $12 we spent on a tarp, uh, uh, like a, like a, a sheet of plastic from Home Depot. It is 12 feet wide by 50 feet long. We put it on a hill at my aunt's house, which is not too far from my house. And then we got really cheap. Um, what was it? Dish, dish detergent, dish. dish soap, and sprayed it all over it and then squirted it with water. This was an hour of dangerous fun, although fun. It was so great. I'm going to put po- uh, stories on Instagram later because it was such a great thing. Um, that my son was just like, he just kept going. Brody, who's so sarcastic right now, he just goes, Dad, I just I just want to like just take a moment and just thank you for doing this. Aww. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I'm reading a couple things this week. I'm, I'm trying to like get through a lot of stuff. I've been listening to more than I've been watching. So I've been listening to the new uh, Kevin Hart book, uh, The Decision, which is on, it's only available on Audible. It's not like an actual physical book. So I've been listening to that and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, but I'm also reading, uh, well, I didn't start this yet, but my friend Todd Nessaloni sent me this book. Um, so this is Todd and uh, Adam Devico. De- 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 oh, man, you know how I am with names. I can't, vowels. It's, no, it's vowels. It's the vowels. vowels. <laughs> so they just came out with this book, When Kids Lead, that I'm interested in checking out. Uh, Adam wrote uh, Kids Deserve It with my buddy Adam Welcome. Or, I mean, Todd wrote with Adam. They wrote, yeah. So I'm uh, going to check that out this week. Then I'm reading, um, this is Jonathan Alshimer's book, uh, Next Level Teaching. These are both DVC authors too. Um, and so we send each other our books. So this is like, not necessarily like a plug for DVC, although, you know, intentionally it is. I just like these two dudes and I just want to read their books and see what they're about. And um, Alshimer works with, uh, he works at Hamish Brewer School. So if you read Relentless, um, I'm going to check this out. Uh, and that's been on my reading list for a while. And then our school is... I was going to get this book and then it was really awesome because our school made a focus last year, last September or so, or actually the spring before that, where we're reading books um, and trying to mindfully think about what being anti-racist looks like in the classroom. And this just happens to like with all that's going on in our country now just really is like even I I think more important. I don't want to say more important now than it was before, but it's just like more timely. I, I, I suppose like, because the reason I said it is because there's this push to, um, to really focus on things like equality, inclusion and freedom. And this is like that. So that push is, is really, you know, clearly all over us globally right now. So, um, so I'm excited to, to get into that. And then what we do with that, when we go back to schools, like we, we have small groups and we talk about this stuff. Last time I read, um, Michelle Obama's, uh, becoming being, mm-hmm. Damn, I can't remember. Um, now I didn't, did you watch that whole thing on Netflix yet? Um, I don't know. If I, it's based on the book. I don't think I finished it. I have like five, literally 10 minutes. That was really good. The only problem really is we good. go back and we, you have this monster book and then you go back and you have like 45 minutes to break it down with one another. And it's yeah, like, not enough time. you know, no, we should have read like one chapter and had to report back on that or yeah, had yeah. it be longer over the summer or whatever. But um, I just want you to know that's what I'm reading this week. Um, yeah. What you got for me, dude? Da Vinci is asking what should teachers do in the summer for planning for the new school year? So I think that this, this is a great question. Um, and I, 
I have a video planned to make for this of two. It's like kind of like a two part thing, even though I don't do two part videos, but they kind of both speak to the same thing. I, I think that this summer is different than every other summer that we've, that any of us that are living have sort of had because we are quarantined. Right. So like, you can't still to, to some extent, like a lot of us are, I'm still, I'm like actively not going out. I'm not seeing people. We do have some folks that have started to come over. They sit in our tiny garden and we have drinks at night or something, but overall we're not like, um, I'm not going to, to parks. I'm not going to, to down to the boardwalk and stuff like that in Jersey. Um, the beach will come, but we're trying to figure out a day when there's like not nine gazillion people on the beach. So that usually is something that restores all of us. The beach is the only place my kids could spend 10 hours there and never ask about going home or can they go on the iPad or can we play video games or when are we leaving? Like they just are focused in and I love that which is part of the reason we also want to own a farm one day because that's really good for my kids at level of nature. That being said, so what do we do when we can't do that? Um, I am trying to, cause I think the summer for me is a, is a point of refocus. It's recalibrating, it's reassessing. It's taking a look at my life, taking a look at the school year, taking a look at the school and trying to get ready for what's next. What do you do when, when you, a lot of the things you did to fill you up aren't there. Um, I think that it's already in our wheelhouse. I think that this is what educators do. We make something from nothing. We are used to no budget, no books, not enough supplies, not enough seats, too many students in a classroom, and we free, we can figure it out. So that's me this summer trying to reimagine some of the things I normally do and what are ways I can still get the job done without having access to a lot of things I usually have access to. Um, the other thing is what are we going to be, what school is going to look like in the fall? Is it, are we digitally learning? Are we half and half? Do we have small groups? Do we, are we all in a classroom and everyone's behind like a freaking plate of glass and they have a mask on and there's like, you know, pool noodles come off their head so they can social distance. I have no idea. So my plan for the summer is unlike any other summer. I'm, I'm waiting it out, but this is, this is how I'm choosing. This is so, this is so overly ridiculous, but this is how I'm thinking about it. Um, I'm thinking about it. Like if you were a gladiator in Roman times and you had to prepare for a fight, you don't know if a lion's coming out of the ground or, or I don't know, the ill-tempered sea bass with a laser beam on its head, right? You don't know who you're fighting. You don't know who's going to be alive that week or who's coming back. You just kind of show up and whatever comes out of the gate, whatever comes out of the ground is, is what you're, you're fighting. So how do you get prepared for that? You prepare yourself as much as you can. You want yourself to be as strong as you can mentally, spiritually, physically. You want to make sure that you're not just spending the summer like, um, like I could, I could easily, I, I am as much as I like doing stuff, I could be really lazy. I know that it's not good for me. I could watch movies all day. I could like, I could literally just start like day drinking all day or like eating crappy food, or I could just, and this isn't such a bad thing. I could sit and talk to my wife for probably the whole day we could <laughs> i think we could take we would take like a break for lunch and be like let's watch a ray donovan and then we would just go right back to talking again we would um and i'm that none of that's bad necessarily as long as it's intentional as long as what i'm thinking about is um it's going to fill me up that's going to make me stronger and and have me ready for the year no matter what comes at me um because 
I don't know. I don't know what the battle is going to be. I don't know what the thing is going to be with the students. I, there's all new, all new leadership at my school next year. All the administration is completely different next year. Um, a bunch of teachers have left this year, uh, including like my two of my best friends at school. So it's like I don't know what next year looks like. So what can I work on? Me. That's what I'm choosing to work on this summer, and then I'll just show up and be ready to go full tilt in the fall. That's what I'm thinking about. Um, my buddy Chris Chong is asking me. What were some of your favorite bands musicians when you were growing up? Oh man. Um, it changed a lot. So I went from um, top 40 when I was like a kid. So that was like, I mean, you know, embarrassingly enough, my first albums were ever were <laughs> Huey Lewis in the news, uh, Whitney Houston's Whitney, which is not very embarrassing and Phil Collins. Right. So then um, I somehow made a switch from that into fifties music and was really into like, Chuck Berry and Elvis Presley and Four Tops and the Supremes. Like that was like my jam from like fourth to I'd say sixth grade was like, and none of my friends listened to that stuff either. I was the only one that was like listening to like Jerry Lee Lewis, um, which I think was like my, my introduction into being like a little bit left of center. And then the shift that, that went, that went from that to like, metal bands so then like motley Crue's dr Fielga was like my favorite album and then that shift went from that to nwa's 100 miles and running because i was hanging out in philly and uh at my cousin's house and everyone was listening to hip-hop and then that went from hip-hop that i had literally zero connection point to right but i just i, I listened to it for you know a number of reasons but um to look more hip-hop that i could get down with which was like the beastie boys diggable planets tribe called quest uh boogie down Productions, stuff like that and then that shifted again into um, like a lot of like Faith No More and Pearl Jam and um, rock bands that I liked. And then there was all kinds of weird stuff. I also would also listen to like Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra. I'd also still listen to the Four Tops. I'd also still listen to um, like like it just a lot of different stuff. So you know, it's a, it's not something I talk about very often. Chris is is my musical selections. Plus, you know. There's a reason that the book was dedicated to David Lee Roth because Van Halen, <laughs> 1984, is one of the greatest albums ever written. And David Lee Roth is arguably one of the greatest frontmen of all time. Oh, man. <laughs> Roth. Um, if you've not, if you are remotely interested in, in Van Halen, even if you're not, Joe Rogan's interview with David Lee Roth is one of the best interviews I've ever seen in my life. It is just like, it just makes you want to live harder. And it just... was so good. And I'm not even a huge fan. And I, it was like mesmerizing to just listen to. That idea of him talking about sailing the seas of consequence is one of my favorite parts ever. So real quick, what I'll tell you is this. Um, and I love this line so much. Um, 1984 comes out by Van Halen, right? Biggest album of, of their career. Biggest album right then of the time, right? Like it was, the, it was huge. They were everywhere. They're superstars. David Lee Roth goes back to Pasadena and he's having um, he's hanging out with like, some old high school friends and they go, they're kind of dogging him. Cause he's like this big deal now. And they're like, Oh, it must be nice, man. Be like David Lee Roth. And you're like on stage and you're all the girls and the money and the stuff and, um, and the cars and the mansions. And he goes, listen, on the day of graduation, we all walked across that same stage and you chose the bank and you chose the law office and you chose the private, you know, business construction business. He says, says, and I chose the sea, I chose to sail the seas of consequence, and it has made all the difference. 
And that line to me is like, bam, yeah. chose the sail, the seas of consequence. Damn, that's what I want to do. Let's get a boat. Um, <laughs> going off is Chris's question. How do you incorporate music into your classroom? So Tim uh, is asking Tim, uh, Timmy Delia. Um, I use music in a ton of ways in my classroom. Sometimes it's vibe, right? So especially if I'm feeling like outside the classroom is a little bit chaotic or, or whatever I will play. Um, I really like, there's a, uh, if I don't know what it's called, but I forget. It's like, if you type in lo-fi hip hop beats, lo-fi hip hop, there's um 24 seven channel on YouTube. And it's this little girl who's like been doing her homework for, I don't know, the last 10 years uh, with, and it's animated, but it's just her writing. Right. And that, so just to give you a visual of what it's going to look like, it never stops. It's never like aggressive. It's this kind of like, it's almost meditative, right? Like the, the beats that they play on there. And I love it because it's something I can have on in the background and no one's going to get like, it's not like if you play a too, if you play a song that's too um, danceable or exciting, like it's, it that might not play into what your lesson's going to be that day. So I have lessons where I want students to kind of vibe out, kind of be in the moment. Um, we're doing something together. And I, so if I have like jams on and they come in and it's like, that's not going to work to that. Um, or there's other days when I need kids to be excited. So I have certain jams that I'll put on that are going to get kids excited. What I try to do, and I, the, the way I've seen teachers go wrong with music is when teachers try to school kids on music, I don't, that's never worked for me. I don't know if it's worked for other people, but like, I think it's fine to be eclectic and to play a lot of different stuff. I used to work with this guy in Camden, Mr. Major, who used to play music in his classroom all the time. Um, and that was, he would play all different kinds of stuff. That has, that hasn't worked for me. What I try and find is like stuff that I know students are like probably going to like that they can just kind of vibe out to that works. I also play music when we are listening to, uh, when we're reading in class. So like, no matter what we're reading, um, if there's a romantic part or if there's an action filled part, or if there's a funny part, I'll play music accordingly. So I have this, um, I think I have it around here. My next will jacked up. Um, I have this small Bose speaker and it's a Bluetooth. Um, it's like hundred bucks at Target, something like that. But I think I got it for, father. I don't even know what, I have no idea what it costs. Cause you got it to me for like father's day or something, it was about $100. but <laughs> I'll queue up on my phone, certain songs for that day. Like I'll have a list and I know when, when to play them and then, or I'll have like a, a private playlist that I'll have set up already. So if I know there's going to be like something action, something scenic, something, and there's a crowd that I can play crowd sound effects over i'll do that sometimes in certain classes and that really helps it like helps break the monotony of just everyone sitting there reading something because if you play adventurous music behind it it makes kids they read into it every time you play romantic music it just makes everyone crack up and makes it like slightly more awkward or a lot more awkward um but in a really fun but in way. a way that's just funny it like kind of yeah. breaks the awkwardness in a way, cause it makes it so ridiculous right now that like, um, now that you're playing Barry white over, over a love scene. Um, and a friend of mine real quick, uh, Mr. Major that I used to work with, he used to have, um, back in the day, he had his iPod and he always had the newest songs uploaded on there and he would let kids pick music. So each day someone got to be the DJ. And if ever, if anyone talked, 
he would just pause the song and it would like um or mute it and so like the song keeps going but it's now muted and now kids are getting upset but it's like if you weren't focused in if your group wasn't working on something if you were screwing around he'll pause the music and that worked for him really well also and so yeah he was a good dude major um Catherine johnson's asking i feel like planning what our school will do next year is tearing our school apart i'm on a committee to plan and i'm trying to run the i'm trying to run the middle with suggestions on both ends uh are mad and so i you know that's such a good point i i think so it's difficult, but I just think that that feels like the state of our world at the moment, right? Or within the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years, whatever, of this divisiveness of like people wanting to be right. Um, and what do you do when you're in the middle of that? Catherine, one of the things that I think about often is when people are being divisive, when they are being... Um, when they're being mean, uh, especially like online, like people can just kind of like post whatever they want and they can be anonymous and they can just, you know, mic drop or whatever and, and then get out of there. Or you're in a meeting and you know that like there's, a, you know, sometimes you'll see how someone acts is because they have a backing. Right. It's it's almost like if you showed up to to a fist fight and somebody's like four big brothers were there. Also, there's a certain posturing that they can do because they know that someone has their back. I often have looked for how is this? I can't play your game. I'm not going to win playing your game because I don't, I'm not even good at your game and I don't like your game and I, and I can't, I can't do it that way. How can we think of alternatives to finding success within those moments that aren't, you're still getting, you're still a means to an end, but you're playing a completely different game. So I'll, I'll say, um, gosh, there's so many different ways I could go about this. Um, when I have students that act out in class, um, it's one of the reasons I don't yell very often. And if I do yell, it's very calculated. I don't ever just lose my crap anymore. Like I did when I was younger, because you know, you get fed up and you don't have the tools to know what to do. Um, but when we can go left of, of center on things, I think it benefits people. So I think about, um, we were just talking about this this morning, actually. Mm-hmm. When um, I... I've had any number of people in my life that have made my life really difficult, like family members that I just have just made my life. And I won't, I'm not going to name names right here. Cause I, I want to just not put them on blast on, on the internet, but like um, it's been really difficult and all my life it's been like this. A few years ago, one of those individuals um, I decided to start just focusing on the things they ever did in my life that were positive. Right. So just, helpful things. And in doing that, I ended up writing a letter to one of those individuals and saying, Hey, I know that we've clashed a lot. I was thinking about this the other day. And I just wanted to thank you for these like 10 or 12 things that you've done in my life and tell you what they meant to me. And that changed everything, right? I'm no longer, I I don't, I I no longer butt heads with that individual, but, and I also no longer see that individual, but like it was, but I know it got back to me that that was so impactful, positively impactful to them, right? Or if I think about, um, what was the other thing we were we were talking about with regards to the? I'm sorry, we're focusing on questions. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another example that I really thought was meaningful as well, where it's like it, it's just kind of going against what people think they're going to get out of you. 
well, right. I often said it's because of somebody else's trauma or baggage yeah. like that they're bringing that, like whatever they're aggravated about, it's like hitting something very personal. Generally, it yeah. usually comes from a very personal yeah. place when you're passionate yeah. like that. Yeah. Good or bad. And I think like, even when I think about um, parent teacher conferences, when I get a parent that comes in and they're furious at me, right. They're furious at their kid. They're furious at the school. And I, <laughs> but I, when someone comes in and I just have in the last couple of years started saying, I like, I'll listen to anything that you have to say. First of all, you can just go full blast. And I say, I want you to know more than anything that your child's success is the only thing I want. I only want them to win. I'm not interested in being right. I'm not interested in being first. I'm not interested in being your kid's like favorite teacher that they ever had. Um, I'm only interested in them finding success in what we're doing and, and them achieving all their goals and dreams that they have set before them. People can't argue with that. There has never been a parent that has been like, but will you do this? It's like, nope, you need to know that my operating, my mode of operation only comes out of success for your kid. That's all I want. Every decision that I make from the way that I, my, my classroom looks to the way that I get down with students is only has student success in mind. So if you go into a meeting and it's like, and that is happening, I just think that trying to think of uh, a different way to approach that. I'm not exactly sure what that is, um, but I would say that if I was thinking about that and that if I knew that I had to go into that meeting, it's what's what are we trying to get at here? Like, is it test scores? Is it we're meeting some sort of state standard? Is it like, what is the reasoning? What's our why? Because if we can remember that our why is really children, it's really serving families and working with as part of a community together to do something that is, you know, that if that's the, the center of what we're doing, then we can do a whole lot. Like then, then at least we know we're on the same team. So what was seemingly dividing us is now bringing us together because we remember that it's only ever about the kids. And when we do that, I think that that is a good recentering point for people um, because they come in furious and hot and bothered. And then you flip the script. On it's them. a softening point. Yeah. And I and every example of that that I can think of is my favorite. Like from like Les Mis to um when that Amish school shooting happened uh years ago in Pennsylvania, and like the Amish folks whose like kids were killed, like went to the to the shooter's mother's house with like flowers and food because they knew that she must be hurting because her son just did this heinous act and took his own life. And like that, it, like it's like those kind of shifts to me that are always like bam like it's they're the most they're the life-changing ones yeah but that's also your that's how you operate in every situation but it's that's learned your, that is not natural for me my natural it's like, like someone insults yeah, you, you want to punch them in the face but instead you take a step back you reassess and you realize that you could punch someone in the face but and i and there's even parts in movies where i'm like one of my favorite scenes ever is in the apostle with Robert Duvall mm -hmm. when he's like the know, preacher at a church and this guy comes in and starts like um, being like belligerent and he takes him outside and beats him up. It's one of my favorite scenes in a movie ever. But I think that, you know, what I'm trying to say here is that like um, when we have, when we're focused on our why and that's the, that's the discipline is being focused on your why. What's the outcome that I want to have? What is the goal that I'm trying to reach? Does punching someone with my words or with my fist do it? Does being right achieve that goal yeah. or is it stepping back and being humble and trying to be creative and kind or brave or 
or having justice on your mind, like that changes how you do stuff. And it's, it's hard. It's not every single time. It's hard. Absolutely. Wine glasses filled with water. Um, Cheyenne is asking, how do you plan to engage and build relationships with students if you're forced to do online next year? Cheyenne, that's one of those things that like, I'm gonna have to figure out, but um, I think it all goes back to uh, intentionality. Um, am I being intentional and am I, am I being authentic with my students? So whether that's I'm calling them, I'm texting them, there's a WhatsApp, there's a video, there's um, whatever. And and it's, it's, I think that teachers often go wrong. I know I certainly did when I was starting um, by assuming that students know you want to be there, assuming students know that you want this class to be great, assuming that students know that you know that they're struggling. Like, I don't make any assumptions. I tell all the kids on the first day that I can't wait to do, like, I'm so glad that you're here, um, that I'm honored to be able to be your teacher, that I want this to be the greatest year ever, that I want to have a ton of fun and I want to learn a ton and I want to have all these great experiences and I want um, you to look back on this time that we had together as something that you were are thankful for. And, and so in doing that, and, and I want kids to know that like, there's no preconceived notion of who you should be with the exception of like, you know, don't stab a kid with your pencil, but like, um, I, I don't, I'm not looking for you to be like at, at a certain place. I'm, I'm looking for where you actually are so that we can work together to bring you up to where you need to be. Um, that goes so far. And I think we can do that in a video. I think we could do it in a, in a voicemail to parents. I think there's a whole lot of ways to do that, but it's about being authentic and being intentional, but then following up with that. That if I say I wanna have the greatest class ever, I have to make plans to be able to have the greatest class ever, to have the greatest guests and projects and trips and, and stuff. Um, and so I think that that intentionality will win out. That's my, my guess. Um, so just thinking about ways that we can do that with our students. Uh, Manel, I'm going to say your name wrong. I really apologize if, if that's incorrect. Manel Nasri is asking, I'm going to hopefully graduate soon as a middle school English teacher. Awesome, man. Congratulations. Um, I am, I'm all the time wondering what should I do so that students take me seriously? How can I gain their trust? I think it goes back to that same piece I just said, man. It, uh, it's, it is letting students know that you actually care. And I think coupled with, because I look, I think, you know, not to, not to say like, I don't want to, I feel like I keep saying this thing where it's like, uh, I think one of the things teachers do wrong is, but I do think this is another one of those things is that when we start teaching, we think that students have been waiting for us. And I don't know that they are, especially in certain schools, like our school has a particularly high turnaround, like a lot of Title I schools do. Meaning that every year there's a whole crop of people. Every year in, in my school, there's a conversation sometime around April, maybe March, that you start hearing people go, come back next year. Um, hey, you guys, did you hear about uh, so-and-so's not coming back next year? Oh, they're not coming back next year. And then that makes you start wondering if you should come back next year. It's this whole thing that happens every year. But in like good public schools or private schools around me, that's not a conversation. You're there until you die. Like you stay there for 30 years and you're in the same classroom and, and it's never a conversation. Um, so that being said, I, I think that um, 
that you have to show kids that you're really about it. So that means like never giving up on kids. It means um, being there for kids no matter what. It means being able to apologize, being able to pivot, being able to be vulnerable with your students. Um, and through that, that, what comes through that is authenticity. And authenticity is what wins the day because authenticity builds relationships because kids realize that you're really trying to be about what you say you're trying to be about. And you didn't just start strong and say, I want this to be the best class ever. And then it goes south and then you're like, screw it no one wants to do this anyway. It's like about figuring out it's, you know, just cause you were DJing. I talked about this in the book, just cause you're DJing and everyone's on the dance floor and they're having a great time. And, you know, um, the, you know, their hands are in the air, like they just don't care. And then you play the wrong song and it clears and everyone goes to the bathroom for another drink. You don't just let that song play out. You stop the song, you morph it into another song and try and get people back onto the dance floor. So they're having the time of their life. And we as teachers have to do that. But too often, and I've certainly done this where you play a song, the dance floor clears, you realize that no one liked it. And you were like, you know what? I'm not just going to, I'm just not going to play music anymore. If you guys aren't even going to dance to the music, you know, I put all this work into, it. I thought you'd really like this song. And it's like, instead just put on a different song, bro. Just change the lesson up. Just change the way that you were doing stuff. Change the way that you were doing that project. Change the way that you were teaching that math problem. Change the way that you had the kids seating, sitting in their seats or change the guests or change any number of things that you have power over to shift to make it better and and i think that or 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 say what song do y'all want to listen to and not like in a way that's like you know fine what do you guys want to listen to then it's like what can we do to make this the greatest i need feedback i'm struggling i thought this was a great idea for this this and this reason what can what would you guys say or what you know, i say guys because i teach all boys but um it's like what would you all say to like help me speak life into this. Let's create something together where we're learning and growing together and you're giving students a voice and that changes everything. So I think students will take you seriously once you tell them that. Now, look, there's different points of view on this. Like I, I didn't tell kids it was my first year teaching. I never told students how old I was um, until I was like 30 um, because I just didn't want them to know that. And I think I'd still play that way now, but I think you could go the other way. You could tell everybody everything about you and that would be fine as well. Um, but that's, that's what I'm thinking about. Uh, I think the biggest thing is that coupled with don't wait to be the teacher you always dreamed of being, do not wait for tenure for the first year to be over, to get a sense of what the school's like, just get after it right away. Ian, my uh, second part. Uh, and could you please talk about principles of communicative activities? So, um, I, this is how I'm reading into that question. When we have conversations in class, nothing's off the table, right? Like, and if there's something like what, that, what I mean by that is that I will, I'm willing to talk about basically anything. I've never had anyone ask me a question that wasn't something I was willing to talk about. Now, look, that doesn't mean if they ask me about like, what's it like to make out with your wife? Like, or something weird, like something crazy. Like it's like, yeah, it's like, bro, now you're just being inappropriate. <laughs> but if you, if it's something that has to do with, it could be race, religion, politics, drugs, um, the legalization of certain drugs, the uh, the dealing with depression. Um, uh, I thought I said that one already, but oh, yeah, religion. Um, it could have to do with things like racism or sexism or, or something else. Those are all things I'm willing to talk about. But what that usually looks like is I'm I often pivot it so that I'm not the the 
I'm not the know-it-all of the classroom, right? I'm not, the, I'm not like speaking from on high. What I do is facilitate conversations. Well, what do you mean by that? Like, let's talk about that sort of thing. And that, what that does is I think it allows students to be curious. It allows them to know that they can ask questions. It allows them to know that you're not afraid to talk about stuff. And look, if you don't feel completely prepared to do this, it's fine, especially as a first year teacher or as, you know, there's uh, any number of situations where you might feel uncomfortable bringing something up or talking about it in class. Um, I will sometimes say, that's a great question. I want to dial that in a little bit more and talk about like where you're coming from with that. So maybe we could talk about that after class, but it's, I never run from any conversation or I find partners that are going to help me have that conversation in a little bit of a better way. Right. So certain topics in class, I don't, I just don't know about like, so when, when there's certain like religious pieces that have come up as part of books that we've read, like, so Persepolis is the Muslim uh, like everyone's Muslim in it. And I don't have all the answers for all that stuff all the time. So I'll bring someone in that can sort of speak to some of those ideas, questions, cultural differences, stuff like that. Um, so it's about partnering with people as well so that you can have fuller, richer conversations because you realize that you are not the expert on every single thing. So when I teach the history of hip hop, I often bring in community members weekly or biweekly to help students work through some of their thoughts and feelings, concerns, questions about certain stuff, because I realize that I am not, um, especially as a 43 year old white dude, uh, I'm not the expert on black culture, right? Like I don't, there's certain things I have not experienced, so I can't speak to them. Um, so I bring in people and I partner with people that can. And then that, I think that that works great too. And then, so if you feel like you can't do that in your classroom yet, it's about putting yourself in spaces where people are having those conversations so you can glean um, knowledge from them as well. Um, two parts. Got it. Uh, Minoic, I think I'm saying that correct. Minoic is asking, do you start the new year with getting to know the students bonding or with an emphasis on rules? I'm trying to do both, but starting with both ends up with them not taking me seriously and not following the rules and starting with the rules ends with me not feeling safe enough to open up, uh, with me. At least that's how it feels. So that's a really great question. Um, I never start with rules. Uh, I tell kids, so my, I have a couple of videos on this. I have what I do on my first day of school and what I do on my second day of school that might be good for you to, to check out. But that basically looks like, like what I've said, uh, earlier it's, it's, I love letting students know. So let, let me start like this. My sense is that, um, and I know this a little bit from speculation, which I don't really like to do, and a little bit from just knowing other teachers and talking to people and seeing how they do their first day. Most students go to school, and on the first day, it is a huge emphasis on rules, policies, and procedures. It is going over the syllabus and reading it word for word. It is very long syllabi that have multiple pages sometimes that run it all down. Sitting through eight periods of that a day has got to be mind-numbing. So my alternative to that is when the students come in is to say, oh my, let's to meet you at the door, shake every single hand, which will clearly not happen this year. Maybe we'll use the handle and stick this year. Um, but with coronavirus, I just, I just don't want it. So uh, figure out something else. <laughs> kids coming in every day, typically though, shaking every single kid's hand, looking them in the eye, um, saying hi. Um, I tell them they can sit anywhere that they want on the first day, but I tell them your attention needs to be on me and I'm not going to talk for a long time. But what I need you to know more than anything is I'm so happy that you're here. I want to have the greatest year ever. I want you to know that the way that my room looks has been explicitly designed for you. And that I want a room that you even want to be in. 
I want to create a space that you want to show up to. I want to create lessons that make you want to come to class. I want to work with you to figure out how you learn and what you want to learn and, and how you want to learn it and give you some autonomy in the class, some, some, some freedom in the class to be able to really dial into what you want to do. I want to do trips and have speakers and, and go places with you. Um, both in the school and outside the school that is going to be unlike anything else. I want to make a truly memorable class that we are all going to be excited about. And I want to get to know you because you're important and your story is important to me. So I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about who you are, where you're from, what you're about, because I'm interested in you. And the more I know about you, the more I can teach through the lens of something that you're interested about. I want you to know that everything that I do is never to be cool because I haven't been cool since 1995. But, um, I do it. So if I reference a video game, uh, a book, uh, a TV show, it's because I know you're interested in it because I talked to you and I, I've learned what you like. And now I am willing to step into that world. Um, so if you know anything that's cool, anything that I should know about, anything that's that's coming up and that some old dude like me might not know about, I'd appreciate you letting me know. The books in my room are all here for you. They've been handpicked by other students, not by myself, so that you can hopefully find yourself in a book. And I talk about all that stuff, man. And then I talk about me, who I am, give you a sense of like who I am, who I'm married to, what, what I do on the side, what my kids are like, how I have a dog and I like gardening because um, I want kids to leave having a sense of who is teaching them, who this person is. And then not until like the third day do we do the syllabus. And I only have one rule in my class and that's give respect, get respect. Um, and the reason for that is you heard all the other rules and you're 14 years old. Like, unless you were literally raised by wolves, like there's not a chance that like, I always tell kids, like if, if I called home and asked your mom, your grandmom, or your dad, um, did you raise an idiot? Like, is you, is, am I dealing with an idiot here? Am I dealing with someone that has zero self-control and is like a total like, whew? um, chances are they would say no. Now look, 100 are going to say, look, T is an idiot. I don't know what happened. Like he was raised by his father. I have zero idea, but like that can happen. Right. But largely no, because your mom taught you some sense. Your parents worked, your, your grandparents worked to teach you to keep your hands to yourself, to not lie that cheating is wrong. So I don't have to have those conversations. I don't have to have those posters on my wall. I don't have to have put yourself in a way. I just have to remind you, Hey bro, that's distracting you and everyone else around you. I need you to put your phone away. And that's it. Like, not like that. Was that your phone? Let me tell you something, everybody. I see phones, I'm taking them, all right? You won't get them back to the end of the day. That just makes, especially when, when you're a teenager, it's just like, oh, now it's game on. Now, like, oh, you want to fight? It's like, nah, it's cool. Just don't have your phone out. Bro, I see your phone out. If I see it out again, I'm going to have to do something weird with it, like hide it in my school library, and then maybe you can find it at the end of the period. Or if you don't, then I'm going to keep it. And if you find it, you get to keep it. But there's a pretty good chance I'm going to hide it so you can't find it. It's like just entering in with to things like with a slightly better attitude um, or, or not trying to be right or be strict or crush everyone. I just think that I just, I, I, that has always, since I've shifted that it's worked for me and other teachers that I know that do it similarly, it's worked for them. It's not the only way. Tons of people do rules in the beginning of the year and it works for them, but that's just not how show I show does rules. She's a really shows no syllabus. Show is her <laughs> syllabus is like seven pages long. And you come in her room. I'm not meeting you at the door. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm not here to have a good time. We're here to learn because your success is important to me. And I want you to do everything that you want to do in life. But to do that, you're gonna have to do it this way. She's more like a but she's so, like a but sensei, goes to you know, show. Or, or like a like a your boxing coach or something she's like awesome. that.
But it just goes to show. It's like, but that's authentic to Cho. She like can't hundred... stand the way that she goes, Reynolds. What are you doing? I go, Cho, we're having fun this year, girl. You guys are so opposite. It and just we're like the best up. friends in school. And I so, know. but there's tons of different ways to do it. I think it's about what it's really about. There's no right way overall. Yeah. It's what's right for you. It's what comes authentically to you. When you get that intuition, when you get that feeling in your stomach, when you have that sense of what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to handle this, follow it. That is what's going to lead you to success. Um, that was a long answer. Jan is asking, um, getting ready to go into my sixth year of teaching after retiring from the army. Awesome. Um, as we look into the prospect of remote beginning of this beginning of the year, how do we create relationships virtually? So um, I think it goes back to that piece of like just being authentic. I, I just answered this. So I'll just do it really quickly again. It's about showing up and being authentic and being about the kids and showing kids that look like one of the things I plan on doing is like, this isn't optimal. I don't want to do this either. I don't want to sit at this computer all day and freaking talk to you on a computer screen. I like being in school. I like the guy in this job for a reason. Um, and so I, I, it's like, how can I do that from here? I'm going to show you, I'm going to make my lessons better than everybody else's. And it's game on, right? This isn't like a narcissistic thing. Um, but I want to have the best class of the, in school. I want to have the kids have the greatest time. No, look, there's other teachers in my school that are freaking awesome and they do tons of cool stuff. Um, so I'm not trying to like crush them. It's just like, makes me want to up my game. Makes me want to do a better job. Makes me want to get more excited and, and find more cool stuff. And so, that's what I'm trying to do. So whether that's virtual or otherwise, I'm going to show up and, and do the best that I can. Um, but I'm also thinking about how do we do that as a community in the beginning of the year? How do we do that involving one another as educators? Um, because teaching is not all about us. It's all about the kids. But in order to teach the kids, it can't be this one person kind of like being the greatest. I, it's way better to be a, a great party than a great, I don't know, sitting in your that was a dumb analogy that kind of got lost in translation. But what I'm saying here is that like working as part of a community with other educators, um, find the people that you really get down with and, and have those conversations. Like, dude, how can we make this year awesome in the beginning of the year, no matter what? Um, and if you don't have those folks finding those people online and, and having that drive your, what you're, what you're doing. Um, Logan is asking, how do I get certified for math? I'm currently an ELA teacher. I think you just have to take the praxis again. I don't know. Maybe someone in the side can would be able to speak to that. But I think that uh, it's just going back and taking another praxis test. I don't know. To be certified in mathematics, I don't know that you have to go back to school or take any courses, but I'm not certain. Um, so I'm wondering if anyone knows in the side if, if, uh, what you could do for that. Like, so the question was, if you weren't listening, um, if you, if you want to switch subject matters, right. So like, if you're an English teacher and you want to teach math, how do you, what's the process for doing that? Like, how do you do that? So you can teach math. Gosh, I've thought about switching before, but never to math. It's not my strong suit. Science. Would be I think science, science is a lot of math also, but like, I, think science would be my jam because I like the critical thinking. And I like the creativity of it um, or history, but I don't know. There were a dime a dozen already English teachers. All right. Uh, I was feeling parched. Um, Sylvain, I got it right. I think I got it right. I'm sticking with it. Sylvain is asking, how do you get educated on the best teaching practices. It seems like a lot of content out there 
is more along the lines of self-help, feel-good, uh, general advice rather than tangible methods that work. So that dude, that's a great question. So how do you find out what is best teaching practices? I I think so so for me, it, it's so funny. Like if I really think back about this, because I've never answered this question before, re, like not worded like that. Mm-hmm. When I think back about starting off as a teacher, I definitely looked at other teachers. And but I looked at it, I looked at other teachers for certain things, classroom management, because um, I wanted the kids to be like sitting in their seats and doing work. Um, I looked at it as who had control over their class. I looked at it as um, who was building connections with students and like who did the students go to for help and stuff like that. Um, And then who was being creative. And what I found was that for me, best teaching practices are came out of this Um, classroom management. And, you know, if you want to call it control over your classroom is comes about easily when you have great stuff to do in your class, like when your when your lessons are amazing, and when you are building relationships with students, the classroom management is secondary. The, the the only kids that are ever classroom management issues are kids that I have not connected with yet. But if I connect with you, I can go, bro. You're doing we're doing a little bit too much here. Can we uh bring it back in? And they all kids will always turn to me and say, "My bad, Rollins. I'm sorry." And then they get back to to work or get back to doing their group thing or working on something or whatever. Um, but when I don't have a connection with a kid, those are always the dudes that are the biggest issue. I, I hasten to say that I learned more from business books than I did from teacher books, right? I learned more about learning about things like customer service. So like, that's, this is why I love reading books about business. I, I think you can learn more about yeah, education, quote, how to have friends and influence people right it's like what can't you yeah, yeah. so dale carnegie or um or any like a lot of stuff from like uh like either it's pat croce or it's seth godin or it's um you know just that sort of thing where it's like no how do i connect with people because it look if you think about restaurants right you want to make it a place that looks like you want to be there no one wants to go to a restaurant that looks all dirty and nasty and ugly when you go in, you want to know that people see you, that they are getting things to you in a timely fashion, that they are trying to connect with you, that they want you to come back, right? That they are trying to serve up something that is delicious, that makes you want to eat it. Um, the best bars are places that people just go back to again and again and again and again and again because they like being there, right? So in that mindset, um, it is meeting kids at the door, letting kids know that they're seen, letting kids know that like like some of my favorite restaurants like you can bring up something or, or like some of my favorite bars in town are like the ones that like um, when it was the old Dubliner, we would go in and they were like, what kind of beer do you guys want in here? And then they ordered the beer that we wanted so we could go there and drink the beer that we wanted. Yeah. And that was so that was like that to me is like giving students ownership over their their lessons. And so I think that it is you know, best teaching practices. One, don't cement yourself into anything. Like be fluid, go with the flow, try and figure new stuff out Two, It's knowing that every year, every season is going to be different. It's not the same student. So it's not the same stuff. You can't just keep recycling things all the time. I think three is um, connection with students. It has to be about building relationships because you build relationships with people then that makes them, um, it takes care of a hundred different things 
including classroom management. It gives you lenses to teach things through and lets you know what your students are interested in. Um, and, and then just trying stuff and letting kids know sometimes. Like I, I didn't, for the longest time, it was like, you can only write in pen in my class and it has to be black pen. Then I was like, what the hell is that? That's just stupid. Like, why do I have to just black pen? Because it's like, because I made some arbitrary rule about it. So now it's like, I basically don't care what you write in anymore. Um, as long as it's not highlighter or red, because I grade in red. Um, and so it's like, I don't, it's, it's like, but I had to shift out of that. It was when I started doing like um, timing all of the things that I'm doing. So like every day on my whiteboard, I have everything or on my Promethean board, like Here's all the stuff we're going to do today. So it's no surprise. So that what I'm doing is getting away from kids asking me, hey, what are we doing today? It's like, it's all on there. And then there's times next to it. So this activity will take roughly five minutes. So if you want to go to the middle bathroom in the middle of it, it's like, are you finished yet? Because this, we only have five minutes for this. So can you just finish this? Then go to the bathroom. It's totally cool. I can never try and stop anyone from going to the bathroom. Um, but it's like, but are we using our time wisely or the reading section? All right, guys, we only have 15 minutes to read today. So I need to get on this and this is what we're going to do in this. Or you only have 10 minutes to meet with your group. So use that time wisely. Don't just be small talking. Um, it's, it's, but that's a best teaching practice to me, but that took a long time to kind of get to. And if that stops working one day, I just, nothing's precious to me, right? If student success is all you're caring about, um, then you are, you easily throw away any number of things. So you just, like that stuff doesn't matter to you. Yeah. I think what's really interesting about their question is that I think it's, they fall on either side, right? You're either like a, like teaching, like feels more self-helpy because it's, there's no clear cut one path or you have like, they say, here's a method and like do this method and they expect it to work for everyone, but really just not everybody learns in that or but operates. Our, but our whole lives are like that. We've talked about this with like, when we do like diet experiments, right? Mm -hmm. Like juicing for some people is great. It sucked for us. It was, it was, you ended up with like leg cramps and it was all yeah, crazy it was and it was gnarly. I mean, well, you I do something really liked it, but, but keto has been something that you've loved yeah. for me. More of like a slow carb diet works for me. I feel healthier. I feel more energetic. I feel ready to go. It's, you know, some people it's running. It's like, how do you get fit? Some people can run. Some people lift weights. Some people play tennis. Some people, you know, do hot yoga. Like, but I wouldn't say to everyone, go do hot yoga because hot yoga sucks. You have to have a level of like, I don't know, like a willingness to beat yourself up to go to hot yoga, right. Or to run in the hot weather or the cold weather. So it is, there's a part of it is there's, there's, it's all rooted in the same thing, right which is getting healthy and doing certain things that so your body is healthier. Right. But it is the journey to get there can be so different and that's just fine. It's okay. Yeah. But that's what, that's why there's never any clear cut way to do it. And, and to be fair, when schools try to do that, when they do scripted lesson plans, when they do, um, when they get by programs and insist that everyone do the program, because this is going to make kids better readers, writers, and, you know, test takers, um, they're doing a disservice to the students because there's, there, it's this one size fits all. And it's like, this isn't one size fits all. There has to be, you have to figure out ways to sprinkle We're magic on so it. so unique. I can't imagine anybody thinking that learning would be any different. It's unique to you. Yeah. But even the things that they try and make sound like they're. No, I know they're never, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. none of it. Um, 
they work for someone. First of all, can we just note that Mr. Okay. James P. No, I'm not. I'm going right uh, back to your question. Um, so, Billy, I'm going to ask your question in one second. Uh, but Mr. James Pete said Van Halen. Um, he said, not arguably, he is. Talking about uh, David Lee Roth. Pete. Oh, you'll love Got all you, of his bro. comments. There's a ton of them. Um, <laughs> Billy has asked, Billy, that is an extremely professional profile picture. Good work, man. Um, starting my master's in ELA ed in the fall. Curious. Uh, you've often said that you don't assign homework. How do you make time for reading novels in class and what novels do you teach? So, um, so I'll say that I, the reason I stopped doing that was because I found that my students weren't reading and no matter what, no matter how hardcore I was. So if I said, look, here's 20 pages they have to read tonight, or you have to read these 30 pages by Wednesday or whatever it was, I found that maybe, maybe 5% of the class did the homework. And then you show up on Wednesday and you're ready to jump into this lesson and you created this thing and you're assuming that everyone's bringing this knowledge with them, but no one read. No matter how accountable, no matter how much I tried to raise the bar, no matter how I tried to frame that, it just wasn't working. What I found that is that there were a number of other factors for a lot of students that just led to them not reading at home. Sometimes there was too many other people at home and there was no nowhere to be quiet. Sometimes you didn't have the self-discipline. Sometimes you had to go home and take care of your siblings. Sometimes you had to work. Sometimes you had to, um, it was just like, you didn't have that kind of discipline. And so like, I had to help you realize that like, it's like helping kids learn how to learn or how to do the things that they need to do. So I flip, I try to flip classroom, right? Which is um, basically, you are, you get rid of the lecture and everything. You're doing the work in class. And then at home, you're like making videos so kids can like, um, the, the kid, you're essentially giving the lecture for them to watch as homework or something along those lines. But then the reading and the writing and all that stuff is actually taking place in class. That didn't really work. So, um, because keep making all the videos and making sure they're accessible to kids and make sure they have access to things like the internet and Google Classroom and all that stuff was like too much of a problem. So what I decided to do also, and, and because, um, just so people are clear, our school typically goes from eight to five. Some of my students live an hour. Some of them live an hour and a half to two hours away on public transportation. So the idea that you would get done at five, you would go to football practice, get home by eight, and then have to do homework, it wasn't something I wanted to do. I just didn't think that that was a good move. I'd rather my students um, spend time with their family, their friends, play video games, go play basketball, go run around the block, do whatever you want to do and not do homework for the next two hours until bed. Like I'm not interested in it. Um, to, to me, that's the equivalent of saying like, what is that PX 90 or whatever that uh, the, the workout thing that everyone is like, all right, I got PX 90 and I'm going to do it hundred percent, man doing it. And then it's like two days in, you're like, screw this. Whereas like <laughs> I go, I can keep running every day. Cause I set the bar at a mile. And I always do more, a at least a little bit more than a mile. But if it, even if it's two or three miles a day, that's pretty good. Two or three miles of running every single day is good, right? But a mile, all right, bro, you went and did a mile. Not everybody can do a mile. So it's like rigging the game so your kids can win. So what I tr try to do now, though, is I have to maximize my time in the classroom. There is no BS. There's no downtime. That bell rings. It's game on and it doesn't stop till the bell stops at the end or rings at the end. Occasionally... Um, I'll have classes. So my first period of the day takes that whole time, maybe would have taken a little bit longer and I get it right by the end of the day. So sometimes at the end of the day, they have like extra five minutes or something. Cause you just kind of fine tuned it. Um, 
but I, we read in class every day and it is like uh, for a sustained amount of time together or as small groups or as individuals, that depends on the lesson. But um, it is that, that I find is far better. And the kids are far more apt to read. You're reading with them. You're showing them how to read. You're inflecting. You're reading it as a play together. You're reading it um, with music behind it. You're getting kids excited. And you're when they come in, you're creating excitement so that when you read, it's more exciting. And then when it's done, even if there is homework, you stop it at the right part. So it's almost like a cliffhanger. All right. Um, and as the rock came crashing down from the cliff, stop right now. Close your books. Everybody, you're not going to believe what happens next. Someone's about to die. Um, and then we're going to talk about this tomorrow, but you have to read the next five pages so you know exactly what's going on. Someone's about to die and someone's going to get their life threatened. I need you to be able to answer both those questions when you come in tomorrow. And then just, and then the bell rings and they're out and you ended it like a great episode of a TV show where kids want more. And so I think that's, and so I just have to play into that. And a lot of people don't like that to be fair. A lot of folks have given me a hard time or like think that like we need to, if we raise the bar, kids will, kids will rise to the occasion. We're being too soft on them. I don't think we're being too soft on them. I think we've educated kids in a wrong way in a lot of classes over a lot of time, especially my students who have like teachers last one or two years and then they split and go somewhere else. And it's like, so all their teaching practice has been practiced on the students. And now um, I have a lot of guys that read on second to fourth grade reading level in the ninth grade. So it's rigging the game so your kids can win so that they can do the best that they can do. And then letting them know in 10th grade, they're not going to do this. In 10th grade, you're assigned the work and they have to read it. I'm trying to build those skills in so that they have the grit to be able to read that long. Um, so that's it. And then we read every year. This year, it changes every year, but it's basically something like um, Of Mice and Men, Lord of the Flies, Fahrenheit 451, Persepolis, which is a graphic novel about the Iranian Revolution. Um, there's a new book last year that we started reading. I forget what it was. Uh, Merchant of Venice and sometimes uh, V for Vendetta. Uh, and then I'm working on, I'm working on shifting some of that this year, but that's what we do. And then a poetry unit also. Um, Steven is asking question. Have you ever experienced working with administration that insists their authority to the point of bullying their own teachers? If not, how do you suggest teachers deal with this? I have done this or teach or worked with, admin that think it's like their way or the highway like administration that does not believe in relationships that does not believe in restorative practices that does not believe that talking to students and building relationships with them and their families they think that that's soft and that it's not a good use of time that it's like quick fast justice and then it's like you you do this and this happens so um i've just seen that play out all wrong i've had kids come into school like an, as a ridiculous example of that um i used to have this student that could not tie his tie, right? And my man will come in, but it wasn't just couldn't tie the tie. It was like those little buttons that you have right here to hold your collar down. His tie would go over that. And then the back was sticking up. And it was like the kind of kid that you just wonder like, man, like you've never walked into an uncovered manhole in your whole life. And like, you've made it this far, right? Like, so like you, you can survive, but like, this is getting this all together like he would button his shirt and like different buttons would be like it would be like this button up here was buttoned and this button down here so it made his shirt look all crazy but 
he would walk in and like there was an administrator that I worked with that would stop him whenever he saw him and like berate this kid in the hallway and like tear him down and be like, this is not how we come to school. You're old enough. You should know how to do this. You're not taking this seriously, blah, 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 blah. But then when I would talk to the kid, it was like, bro, we got to talk about this whole situation that's going on right now Um, because I don't know what's happening here. And then learning that like the kid's dad never tied a tie or that he didn't have a dad and his mom didn't know how to tie a tie. Learning things like that, where he came from, like he wasn't able to wash his clothes all the time. He wasn't able to iron his clothes. He wasn't able to like, you know, it was, or, or that he felt that the school, there's other students that feel like the school is like trying to oppress them or hold down their individuality. And that's why we have uniforms. So that's why they do certain stuff. And then communicating the kids like, well, let me talk to you about uniforms. Like whether you believe in it or not, like the idea behind it that I'm going with anyway, is that we are trying to create a space where there's, where kids aren't being judged on their clothing because everyone's wearing the same thing. So like everybody, I always say everybody has enough clothes for one dress down day, but not everybody has enough for two. And so like, it's, it's equal, it's leveling the playing field for certain students, but that comes through talking to kids, through getting to know who they are, what they think, how they feel, what they're what they're actually capable of, because sometimes it's not that easy. Sometimes you can't just tell every single kid to sit down and shut up when they have ADHD, when they have auditory processing disorders, when they have when they don't aren't understanding what you're saying, when they have anger issues. It is about creating those connections with kids so you know who you're actually teaching. And so, what do you do when that doesn't happen? I try to handle things the best that I can without that individual coming up. There have been times I will say when I've had people that I've worked with that say I have a student in the hall. And as I've said before, if I even raise my voice with a student, it is extremely calculated. Um, I had a boy that was persistently making fun of another student because that student had had um, cancer at one point in his life. And so he, he, he spoke with a lisp. And the kid kept making fun of him. So I talked to him about it, talked to both of them about it, tried to work it out. And it kept happening. And it was getting it was getting serious, right? Um, so I pulled that individual into the hallway that was doing the making fun of. And I do raise my voice with this kid in the hallway. Because I've, I've handled everything in a bunch of different ways. Nothing seemed to work. Well, of course, somebody hears someone like raising their voice down, down the hall. And they don't know that what the way I do this is, I bring you out there. I ask if there's anything I did or the other student did first. When I find out that's not true and that you're just doing this kind of digging or trying to make fun of this kid or belittle them, um, I always go up. So like the heat gets turned up, but I always bring it back to, I cannot condone your behavior. You are wonderful. You are great. Your behavior sucks and will not be tolerated in our class because it's tearing down someone else. I can't have that happening. And then it's always restorative every single time, but you, they just hear yelling. So they come running down the hall. What's going on? Oh, you're being a problem again in class. I got this, Mr. Reynolds. And there have been times when I have to say, nope, I got this. Please step away. I'm in the, I'll handle the situation. I got it. I appreciate you trying to come down here, but I, I got it. It's just drawing the line. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the principal, the vice principal, the head of the deans. Like um, there have been times when Cho, my best friend, right, will come down and she thinks that something's going on. I'm like, I got this. But when you build those connections with the staff also and they know, Cho goes, all right, got you. And she just backs off. I've done the same thing with her when she's in the middle of it with someone. And then I step in and she's like, nope, Reynolds, I got this. It's about letting people know who you are and what you're about and that you know what you have, what you're doing. And that 
it's the only way I'm going to do it. And and I, I don't ever bend to that. Like I'd never, ever, ever let someone force my hand into like being more aggressive or being more angry with students or pushing things that way. But, and look, that's, that sounds, it's easier said than done. I get it. Last thing about this is over time, it's about letting other educators also know that you only have the student's best intentions in mind. That sometimes you will hear me raise my voice in class or outside of class, um, but it's not a cause for concern. I got it under control. And if I need you, let's play it like this. When I need you, I'll shoot you a text or I'll call for you or I'll send a kid to come get you. But when I need you, bro, I need it 100%. That means like there's about to be a full-blown fight in class or something like that. But um, I, I just... I just, I won't, I just won't do it. I just refuse to, to like handle behavior like that. Um, these are really long answers tonight. Yeah. They're great questions. Not great answers though. I feel. Oh, well, I'm just they're playing. Both great. <laughs> um, they're both great. Natalie Blackman is asking, I'm going to start face-to-face -face summer school with students tomorrow, eight to 10 kids per class. How would you open up the day? Being that we haven't been in school for months. I'm in California. So first of all, congratulations on being from California. That's where I'm supposed to be from also. Someone else didn't want to move to California. I'm not saying any names or anything, but mm -hmm. now I live in New Jersey. Swampy heat. Um, <laughs> so I think what when I taught summer school, it was about acknowledging the fact that like, look, I know it's summer. Look, I know you might not want to be here, but do you want to win? but do you want to go on to the next grade? But do you want to succeed? I don't care that you like English or math or history or science. It's not the jam right now. The jam is helping you succeed. You fell short this year for whatever reason. Don't even care what it was. But you need to know that my goal this summer is to help you succeed in this, this summer course, the short time that we have together so that you can go on and achieve your dreams next year. Um, and then I tell, I would tell students who I am and what I'm about. And then I would be like, all right, I would just jump right into work because summer school is not like the rest of the school year. I would be like, um, I still think I would do like some, like, I don't even do icebreakers. I just get right into work. Um, and that, that's just cause it's not my jam. Um, but I would maybe do like the, uh, who are you kind of, um, worksheets. And if you go on my website, if you go to resources on my website, real there's a, who am I web, uh, like sheet that you can just hand out to students. And then I would actually read those. I would actually learn who they are, what they're about and, and what their interests are. Um, start looking into some of that stuff so you can teach your lessons in such a way that are going to reflect some of those things that your students are interested in. Um, but it'd be that, that simple. Uh, I always liked teaching summer school because I felt like it was like, it, it was giving kids another shot. It was, it was, as Wendell Berry would say, it was practicing redemption. Um, and I love that idea. Yeah, buddy. Mr. James Pete. Mr. James Pete, who's should he should win like a should be some kind of award for him today, you know. Oh, yeah. You have a headache all of a sudden. I do, and I just got a shooting pain in my eye. In your eye? Ouch! Yes. Sorry. That's good. Want an ice pack? No, I just yeah. live with them. Uh, I know you do get a lot of headaches. I'm sorry. Uh, question: More a story time. Okay. Um, what is something a teacher did for you that reached you? in a way that you were really turned your life around. Maybe one that happened right away and one that a few years later made you go, whoa, now I get it. Uh, I had a few of these moments that served me well as a teacher. Uh, okay, so I wanted to make sure that was the end of it. Um, 
I, unlike many teachers, did not grow up with like a teacher that changed my life. I didn't grow up with a teacher that uh, made me want to teach or anything like that. Um, but if I think about that for a second, um, I would say senior year of high school, I was in a dual credit English class, which means I was taking college English in high school, uh, which is hilarious because I didn't even like high school. And the only reason I took the class was because two of my best friends were taking the class. I got asked to be in it. And I was like, all right, I didn't realize it was going to be hard. And at the end of the year, I gave up. I didn't want to do it anymore. We had this enormous project to do. And my head was clouded with graduating with, um, with, me because that's when you met me you with skateboarding and playing drums and that's all i just knew what i liked and it's end of senior year and i didn't do this enormous project and i was going to fail english my my senior year and i could have cared less i didn't i didn't care even though i probably would have meant i didn't really like i would have had to go to summer school or whatever like it would just been an issue um and this guy mr zek pulled me aside and was like no you have to do this project and this is how we're going to help you get it done. And then he just dialed it in for me. And then I remember I went to, uh, I went to the mountains that weekend with my fam, with my uncle. I worked on it the whole weekend. Um, but it was just someone taking the time to say, like, I know you didn't do And look, this is coming from someone that doesn't take late work. But like seeing someone as a human being, seeing someone as someone that you're at, like seeing a teacher actually care for you was not something that I saw very often growing up. People always cared about me. I was always a good kid though. And I like didn't cause any problems and stuff like that. That was a big, that was big for me. And I realized that like, I often think about that when someone like totally screws up in my class and they do no work and, or like kids that have been in pretty difficult situations, it's given me, it's reminded me that how important grace is. Um, yeah, I think that that's probably like the biggest one, but I don't have a lot of those lessons growing up. Like I, I had good teachers. I had really nice teachers, really sweet teachers, really funny teachers. Um, I think the other one was uh, in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. I went to Haddon Heights Middle School. I had a teacher named Mr. Carr in eighth grade. And Mr. Carr would give detentions that were unlike anyone's detentions I ever saw in my life. Um, so Mr. Carr would do things like on his chalkboard, draw a circle and after school, you could either serve a 30 minute detention and this, I don't even give detentions, but you like, so it's funny that this impacted me so much, a 30 minute detention and you'd sit quietly in there and just serve your 30 minute detention, or he would give you two minutes. And in that two minutes, he would draw a circle on the board, color in with chalk and he would take a, a rubber band and you had to flick that circle until it was gone. And if you could do that in two minutes, you didn't have a detention at all. But if you didn't do it, you had a 60 minute detention. And it was just, but it was like, dude, I can sit here for 30 minutes mm -hmm. or I can try and do this thing and get out of here. Or one time these kids were throwing paper balls in class at one another when he wasn't looking. So we made them both show up in school after, after school, they made 10, 10 paper balls each. He lined up the desks in the middle of the room, cleared the desks on both sides of the classroom. How do you not connect that this is where you get your wacky idea? No, I think, I think that's part of it, but I think it's just in my DNA. It's yes. the people I come from. It's the Joey yes, Tessas and uncle Bills and all those people yeah. that made me who I am. Um, <laughs> They had to have a fight with paper balls. He tallied who got more hits and the person that lost had to serve both people's detentions. The other kid got to leave. I love it. Those are fantastic. Ideas. So it was just like this, Bonded. it was figuring out way, ridiculous ways to handle things. Um, yeah. Uh, I, they did that one. 
Um, Sorry, I was busy taking. I don't have your next one on there. Oh. I, I feel I feel naked now in here. I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can ask. We're at an hour and fifteen I know, anyway. So ask, answer that one. I okay, that was a great. Uh, one. Jacob Ingram is asking. Um, do you think building relationships will be more difficult now that we're not able to get close to them, shaking hands, seeing students, um, if they are on a split schedule? I, I don't. And this is why <clears throat> I've really, I thought about this a lot because relationships are my jam. It's the way I am able to do anything. I think that I, I, how do I talk? it's hard to say some stuff sometimes because I don't want to sound like I'm just dogging everyone, but I just think that school sucks so much. And I think that if school sucks so much and you can just make school a little bit better by figuring out a way to sprinkle magic on whatever you're doing, it makes your class better. So we have a friend named Billy. Billy can cook zero things, but one time she came over to our house for like, and everyone brought a dish and, um, Billy brought, uh, Brussels sprouts. And she goes, you got to try my Brussels sprouts. Dude, I'm not eating Brussels sprouts. They look like cabbages that just couldn't, they just didn't have the the ability to like be real cabbages. And, and they're gnarly and they smell bad when you cook them. She's like, no, no, no. I saute them, but I want you to just try them. So I begrudgingly try. I remember sitting in remember, Jen's house. Too. Remember she that night? In between both I of us. ate one of her Brussels sprouts. They I was were like, so good. They're so good. <laughs> I go, what the hell, dude? She goes, I sprinkle a little bit of sugar on them when I make them and it cuts the bitterness. And I was like, not something I'd ever damn. expect Billy to know. It's, but she but that is it's regular school is Brussels sprouts. Can you sprinkle a little, it's the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So when you're building those relationships, when you're creating a class that kids want to go to, are you creating online content that although it's short, even if it's three to six minutes, are you making something that is exciting for kids to watch, exciting for them to gauge it, and they feel like you're paying attention to their answers and that you actually see them because you're speaking to that? Are you intentionally reaching out to kids to just ask how they are, ask how quarantine's going, ask how what they miss the most, ask what they've been up to, what movies are they watching, what Netflix shows are they showing? You're showing an active interest that's not teachery, it's human to human. You're just trying to connect with someone. That stuff wins every single time. I can't say it enough um, because it just shows people that you care, man, and that you're willing to go a little bit of the extra mile. One of the greatest returns I've ever had on an investment uh, from a business standpoint is to as many as I can. And I will say I have done this for hundreds of people now. I don't know if thousands, but definitely hundreds. If I get an email from people, and some of the people in here might be able to speak to this, if you have emailed me and asked for advice, I often send back a video that is made just for you. If you tweet at me or send me an Instagram message on a DM, I often respond by either a video message or just a voice recording sending it to you. And that means a lot to people because they can. it's not just you typing back. They can hear your inflection. They can hear you say their name, right? And that is, that's a big deal. When a, when a student realizes that you remember their name, that you can say their name, um, that's a big deal. Or, or what everyone else calls them. So like if everyone else calls somebody something else, right? And uh, like we have a kid at school that everyone calls pastor. Um, and, and just being a part of that, it, right? It's like it's, it's seeing someone else's humanness. And I just, I love that. And I think that that's how we're still going to do it, virtual or not. We're going to show kids that we are showing up, that we're about them, that we're willing to go the extra mile and that they are important to us. And I'm going to show you because I'm, I'm just asking you about you sometimes. 
And I think that that is one of the best ways to be able to do that. So, um, so you have a few more questions. Sorry. I know. I'm oh, like, let's go. Yeah, I'm got it. Um, I'm really hungry all of a sudden. Oh, sorry. You make me some lunch after this. Sure. I love you. <laughs> um, Avery noodles. It, my wife's so funny. Cause if I make myself lunch, she's always goes, I would have made that for you. And so that's when then I just ask you. And then my students will be like, your wife cook for you, Mr. Rounds. I'm like all the time. And they're like, damn, like, how do you get her to do that? I'm like, I don't, it's like, if I make it myself, you're always just like, not when or I'm you're like, working. you're too when slow. Working, yeah, get out of the way. You're too you're slow. slow. Drives me nuts. Cause you know, sometimes chicken takes four hours to make <laughs> in my life. Everything's a baked potato. That's what oh it is. Uh, Avery yeah, noodles is asking, have you ever had kids that are defiant beyond all belief? Like, uh, you ask them to go outside into the hallway with you, but they just refuse to get up. How do you deal with that? Um, I call people in most of the time. So I'm not one of the things I try to never, ever, ever do. Um, and a friend of mine, Randy Rebuy, uh, who's a really great writer. And you should all check out all of his books, Patriot Saints and Nothing and um, Infinite Number of Parallel Universes. And After Shot Drops are all books that you should get. Um, he told me once that you should never have a power struggle with a student. And so what you don't want to be is the class is the audience and you're standing there going, no, you will do your work. You will step in the hallway. You will listen to what I say. And the kid's going, no, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. No, I won't. Um, I, if I want that child to succeed, what I don't want them to do is lose it in my classroom. And I've had that happen where kids just blow up. They start cursing at you. They throw something. They're yelling and carrying it on. I don't want to get there. And I'm not scared, but it's like, this isn't the time or place. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You're not, you're not, you're, you're being belligerent or you're, you're hurting someone else's feelings or doing whatever you're doing. So it's about calling someone in and I'll text someone and say, Hey, so-and-so is having a really hard time right now. Would you come grab them and talk to them? Cause they don't have the time to do it right now. I'm in the middle of facilitating class. I don't always have the time to even step into the hallway. And so Cho or my friend, Mr. Meeks, who's been on the channel before or my buddy, Stu will come grab that student and then we'll figure it out later. The key is to always follow up, right? This is where people go wrong so often. Don't let anyone else handle your business. They can help you with your business, but ultimately you need to follow up with them and with the student and find out what was going on so you can get to the bottom of it and come up with, okay, so next time, if this happens, if you start feeling this way, these are some things we're going to do. I think that that wins a lot of times. Now, look, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes kids are just are a mess the whole year and problematic the whole year. But I think that's that is so often some there's you're tapping into something in them. There's some past trauma, there's some past feeling, there's some story there that you might have to call in other folks. Maybe it's the therapist in the school, maybe it's the social worker, um, maybe it's the parents, maybe it's the admin. Um, but with the mindset that I say the winning goal in this is you're not trying to win, you're trying to help that student the best that you can. And when you try to win, it's like, yeah, got you. I did it. I won. You know, I was right. I got you in the hallway. I got you in trouble, whatever. But if it's like constantly only trying to help, even, and that's hard, man. It's hard when someone tells you to go like screw yourself or they curse at you in class or they tell you that you suck or whatever. Um, but I'm, I just know that that's the way because I've seen it happen. I've seen kids come back years later and thank me for stuff because they did. Because like James Pete was saying earlier, like, um, sometimes kids don't really realize in the moment that you're helping them, but years later, they, they remember that moment and they're like, damn man, like that was it. I could have got kicked out of school, but like the way you handled it helped. This is your last one. Um, 
she said, I think we skipped her question. Oh, so okay. I think this is her question. I okay, so Janelle, I might, we might have skipped your question before, but I'm going to answer it now. Thank you uh, for, for sticking with us because these things, you know, the chat blows by sometimes. Um, can you do a video with one of your students so we can hear firsthand how they see you as a teacher? I think that would be really cool. So I have an Instagram video that I'm going to put up. And, you know, Janelle, I'll just say, I, I love that idea. I don't like compliments. And so it's very difficult for me to hear students or hear people. And this is something, this is a constant thing I work on in my life, right? Which is funny because I really like when people like me also, but I just don't even want to hear them say that they like me because it makes me feel all freaking weird and stuff. Um, sometimes. That being said, um, I have a video where Taj, I don't know if you saw this one, where he was talking about what lunch meant to him in my oh, classroom and how much he's like, this is how Reynolds rolls it out. And this is how we do it. And this mm -hmm. is, you know, this is what makes Reynolds the best. And this is why we love Reynolds. And, and I'm standing there and I'm like, this is so awkward. Uh, Cause I know that they love me. I know that they care about me. I know that we get along, but it's. Well, it comes from a place where you don't need them to tell you that to, to know it. Yeah. So here's what Janelle, here's what I, I can try and do. I think I might ask a bunch of because look, this is the only way I can handle it is if I get a bunch of kids where I'm not sure what you're going to say, shit might go sideways. You might say something and you're like, no, nah, I think Reynolds does this sometimes and it pisses me off. Like, you know, well, um, you definitely have had kids say that. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Not perfect. No. Like, um, and not, I'm not everyone's jam, right? Like right. You, not every band is everyone's jam. And so like, you know, um, so yeah, Janelle, let me figure out how to do that. And I will do it and I will try and make it as authentic as possible. So that is not like some kind of <laughs> don't ask all your favorites. nonsense, but I would say that, um, and not to just get someone to buy my book, the forward of my book. So my book is back here, teacher class off the real rap guide to teaching, um, meaning real talk about teaching, uh, the introduction or the forward to my book is written by a former student of mine, Romina and, Ramina is one of my favorite students of all time, but damn it. She was hard one, man. She was, did not want anything to do with me. And she talks about that in the forward, how she hated me. Um, I was the first B I think she ever got in a class. Uh, Cause she didn't do something. I didn't think she did it as best as she could. She was mailing it in and I called her on it, but now the other night. So Ramina is about to turn 27 uh, this week. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. Rumi turns 27 and she, she asked if she's doing 27 shots over the week with 27 people. And she hit us up and she's like, can I come over to your house? And like, would you do a shot with me? Is that too weird? And I'm like, Nope, hundred percent. I'll do it. So, um, she's going to make like a little video about all the different people that she hung out with during that, but, um, you can get to that place. Uh, and so, yeah, let me think about doing that. That's, that's an interesting idea. Um, look gang, I appreciate you so much. If you're here later, I was telling everyone earlier, uh, I'm reading a few new books. I'm going to just start talking about these as I'm reading stuff. Um, when Kids Lead is Todd Nessaloni. He's another DVC author. He sent me this this week, and I want to check out him and Adam's book. Um, Next Level Teaching. I, this has been on my reading list for a long time, but I've been reading this monster back here, which is uh, Why Are All the Black Kids? Um, or what is it? Yeah, why, are why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? And that was a really dense book and really full. Um, and so that took a lot of my time, so I wasn't able to get to these other ones. And then How to Be an Anti-Racist. Uh, it's something I'm reading with other folks from my school so we can have this conversation and implement some of those ideas and, and thoughts into our classroom next year. Um, and then that's it, gang. Look, if this isn't enough for you, or if it is, we're back here every Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, you can also go on to 
our YouTube channel. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook or Twitter. Uh, you know, Twitter and me. It's great. It's a great connection. Um, or our Facebook group, uh, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. But please fill in the questions when you join so we know you're not a business or something like that. Someone that's trying to go in there and troll. We're trying to like keep pure teacher educator world kind of stuff. Even if you're a future educator, totally cool. Um, or I do mentoring. I do coaching calls. So you can sign up for those on our website at realrapwithreynolds.com. Uh, and that's it, everybody. Hope you have a great week. Peace.